All right, we on? Yep. 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 Wow. Talk about a great transition to the start of the show. I yep. like some good old chew. Yep. Oh. Yep. 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 I've got nothing. Yep. I've got nothing for you guys. Yep. Nothing. But uh, yeah, that was awkward and silly, but. You guys know me for quite a long time now. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I think he would know this, not because you don't know me, but because he knows what I cook with my family. Who's he? You. Oh. Ryan. Okay. The guy I'm pointing to that <laughs> you guys can't see. Mm. So I think you could answer this question. You, the listener. But... I think you could probably guess, but let's see. You too. I always say this to my wife, so she'll know right off the bat. Yep. If I yep. If I ever went, <laughs> if I ever went to jail, which would never happen unless they put me in jail for opening my church. But if I ever went to jail, if I had a church, if I ever went to jail, and I was stuck eating like cheese sandwiches like for ten years or something. Yeah. What do you think the first thing I would eat is? Like, what is my favorite, like, food that's really, like, You mean snack, once like, you get out of jail, you have your first real meal again? My first, like, real, quote-unquote, meal. What do you think would be the one of the first things I eat? Is it going to be that cruddy vanilla ice cream that you love? The giant bucket of ice cream? No, that's not my favorite. Rice and beans? Yes. But that's part of the answer. Um, that was a very good guess. Snack. Um, that cruddy ice cream is not my favorite. That's oh. my wife's favorite. Oh, okay, okay. And that cruddy ice cream is my favorite to buy because my kids love ice cream, and it's five bucks, and it lasts like two years. I see. Because mm. it's gigantic. I see. So it's not that it's the best tasting, but it's the best bang for your buck, and kids don't care what ice cream tastes like. Yeah. Do I not know your favorite snack? It's it's like a snack, but it's not really a snack. Camarones. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what do I enjoy making homemade the most? Coffee. Like, no, but that's not food or snack. What do you enjoy making homemade the most that's like a snack? That's quick and easy. Cereal. I can't make cereal, bro. I'm right on all accounts, though, bro. You love cereal. I don't love you cereal. You love coffee. Bro, you know, you and do And you not, love cruddy vanilla ice cream. You do not know me as much as I thought you did. Mark knows me better. So it was camarones. Plantains and shrimp. It's, it's rice and beans and french fries, bro. French fries? Mm. I love making french fries. Oh, yeah. You do make really good french fries. I love making french fries. You so do like make good my french go-to. fries. My wife loves it when I make my french fries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I make them for myself. Like, if my wife's out... And, like, I don't know what to make. I just cut up some potatoes and make the kids some french fries. Sometimes I'll put, like, a cap full of vinegar on top with salt. Mm-hmm. Like that I just, good. I try to be inventive with the french fries. Yeah. But this uh, this potential news headline potential. really piqued my interest. So I figured I'd ask that. I thought 
Ryan would get it right. I'm and sorry. And then we could segue into the topic at hand. I'm sorry. But, but of course. Maybe we should just end the episode. Yeah. Just, bro, stop the recording. It's over. Okay. It's over. Bible dingers ding or no ding. Bible dingers ding or no ding. Bible you guys know how we start the show. I'm Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark, and we are Bible Dingers. And we start each and every episode with Ding or No Ding, where I come up with a news headline. And my friends here, Ryan and Mark, have to decide whether it is Ding, real or No Ding, fake. And then we dive into the topic at hand, and that is the book of First Peter. But first, are you ready for this? Yep. I said... Yep. Yep. Are you ready yep. for this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where did yep. the yep come from, bro? King of the Hill. It come from yes. Okay. World most expensive French fries at two hundred dollars an order returns to popular eatery. Popular eatery, mm. $200 fries. Are we talking like a Mickey D's or like somewhere in Paris, like a mom and pop? I do not have to give you any information at all. That's the headline. I can see it. People spend dumb money on dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. I saw that pizza over in, uh, where was it, Brooklyn or something, where it's like a $2,000 pizza. And it's that. made out of like pure truffle and gold and stuff like that. Oh, I've seen oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like supposed to be disgusting. Truffle and gold is what makes any food usually very, very, very expensive. Yeah. I have like a little, like literally, I don't know if you guys can see this listening to this, but <laughs> you it's don't know. this size. It's yay big. <laughs> of a bottle of truffle oil. Oh, yeah. Because I wanted to make truffle parmesan fries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they are not good. No, they're good if you order them from a restaurant. They're yeah. really good, but like if you don't know what you're doing, you can't just like sprinkle some truffle oil on yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, you got to yeah, do Smash it. Smash Burger has those truffle fries. They're really good. I think they're okay. But. That's why I got the bottle because I wanted to make truffle fries because I'm a fry guy. Fry guy. I'm a but, fry uh, guy. Are you? Yeah. You make homemade fries. No. So you're not, you're not a fry, fry guy. guy. Yeah, you're not. I a am guy. a connoisseur of fries. You're just a guy, bro. He's the guy who likes fries, but I'm a fry guy. Yeah. Okay. Total, there's a huge difference there. It's huge. Right. Huge. All right, I have my answer. Tooting or not tooting? That is the question. What is the answer? No, no ding. ding. No ding. No ding. No ding. Don't hit that ding. No ding. No ding. Don't hit Bro. it. Are you telling me this is second episode in a row? Wow. Are you serious? Wow. I guess I'm not a fry guy. It's momentous. I cannot believe this. Guinness, give me a call. Because I broke my other record from the previous episode. Two records. And I just broke two records in a row. (laughs) I brought the stump twice. (laughs) Whoa. Wow. So I did not give you the location because I knew it would give it away. It is in New York, world's most expensive French fry. Returns to New York eatery. I just added the word popular and told you how much uh, it costs. I figured I'd throw a little curveball. Yeah. A New York restaurant announced a two hundred plate of French a two hundred dollar plate of French fries certified the world's most expensive by Guinness World Records. Will be returning to the eatery for National French Fry Day. 
Why is it $200? Serendipity 3 on Manhattan's Upper East Side earned a Guinness World Record for the most expensive French fries in the world. I know Serendipity. When chefs cooked up creme de la creme, bombes frites, a plate of fries listed for $200. The restaurant said the record-breaking fries are returning to the menu for July 13th, National French Friday. Wow. So the ingredients, which I cannot say any of them, but I figured it'd be fun for you guys to hear me attempt it. Okay. So mm-hmm. the fries feature ingredients including chipperbeck, chipperbeck potatoes, uh-huh. Dom Perignon champagne, oh Dom Perignon, Gelé Blanc French champagne, uh-huh. Ardennes vinegar, cage-free goose fat from France, Ooh, what Guerande truffle salt, <laughs> truffle oil, Crete Senesi pecorino tatufello cheese, tatufello. Yep. Shaved black summer truffles from Italy, uh, truffle butter, organic A2, A2, 100% grass-fed cream from Jersey cows. Hey, now. Shout out, Jersey. How you doing? <laughs> uh, I know there's a way to say this. <laughs> Probably. I would, I would venture to say, yes, you're right. There is a way to say it. No, I'm going to feel dumb for saying this wrong. Okay. Because I know there's a way to say it. Yeah, but for sure, no doubt. G R U Y E R E. Oh, Gruyer, Gruyer, yeah. Gruyer cheese, Gruyer truffled Swiss raclette, and a topping of twenty-three carat edible gold. There you go. There yes. it is. Gotta have the gold. There it is. You know, speaking of truffle butter, people used to call me truffle butter in high school. Yeah. Because I would always bring that truffle butter. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's funny how I exactly know what you mean. <laughs> But uh, I figured if we split it three ways, we can go check this thing out. I know Serendipity. I've been wanting to go there actually. Do you? Yeah, I don't. I haven't heard about the fries thing, but it's it's supposed to be like a really nice restaurant over there. Oh hmm. yeah, in the Upper East Side. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm a fry guy, so if one of you guys want to give me these fries for my birthday or something, I'd happily eat them. I'm just letting you know. You have to wait till Friday. Yeah. I like the move it, move it. Jump off the push now. I'm just cool, just cool. I like the move it, move it. Jump off the push now. I'm just coming in. Hammer time number two. What you gonna do when it's tied away? Pull it with a tack on. I said prayer on the floor like it's war room. I was in the courtroom. You was in your room. Tell the police came to my door. I just shook my head. No one went better. What's the call? Are you doing? Yes, it's time for uh, first Pete's one Pete's one Petey. Hey, yeah, uh, let me get a one Pete's. Peter, Peter, it's a first Peter. Oh yes, and what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? The it, beginning part was supposed to be the title, and I can't find the turtle one. Where it's it where it says where. Oh, it's the where, where button. Okay. Where. Mm. So the turtle of the book is First Peter. This book, like most of the other general epistles, such as Hebrews, right, is named Judas. after the mm. attributed author of the book. This was chronologically Peter's first canonical book, thus making it First Peter. Wow. All right. Peter. <laughs> Who wrote this? Love Peter Bread. Next. Wart. This. Who wordy this? Next, let's talk about who wordy this. So there is almost no controversy over the writing of First Peter. Are you lying to me? Nope. 
First Peter chapter one verse one self proclaims Peter's authorship. Peter, this was surely Jesus's disciple Peter. Peter, as there is no other named, no other Peter name Peter. in the New <laughs> Can't help it, bro. You say it wrong. You're right. Yeah, I thought we were from Joyzy. Come on, right? You're right. Um, there are significant and intriguing similarities between passages in First Peter and his messages in the book of Acts. For instance, uh, Christ is the stone rejected by the builder. He says this in First Peter 2, verses 7 through 8, and his speech in Acts 4, 10 through 11. Also, he says Christ shows no partiality of persons verbatim in 1 Peter 1.17 and Acts 10.34. Mm. The writer also claims to have been a witness of the sufferings of Christ in 1 Peter 5.1. The only objection that has been raised in the past is that Peter was referred to in the Gospels as a, quote, unlearned man. People have contended that a common fisherman who was unlearned couldn't speak in the elegant Greek we see in 1 Peter. However, this argument does not hold up. People need to put more respect on Peter's name, Mm. as they say. Unlearned in context of the passage is actually just talking about he wasn't traditionally and formally trained by a rabbi in the scriptures. So a lot of people do like to proclaim that Peter was just a dummy. Uh, because it says unlearned, but that's not. It's you're taking that verse out of context. He's not just a dumb guy. He just wasn't trained in the scriptures formally as a youth, mm-hmm. as many of the other uh, authors of the New Testament were. So, besides that, First uh, Peter chapter five verse twelve notes that Silvanus, as it says here, who is Silas, wrote this on behalf of Paul. Uh, I, I wrote Paul, but it's Peter. He wrote it on behalf of Peter. It was common in those days for one to dictate to their secretary who would write down what he was saying. It was common for secretaries to help with grammar and syntax. Sylvanus is a great name for a car. You think so? Yeah. I was thinking like a fan. A fan? Yeah, a Sylvanus fan. And now I'm driving my Chevy Sylvanus. <coughs> it's like a hybrid. Oh, I could see that, yeah. Yeah, but what do you mean a fan? Like a fan. Since when do you know what Sylvanas brand your fans, fans are? I, I only buy Sylvanas fans. The only fan brand I know is Tornado. Yo, 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 where this was wet. And even that one you don't know because it's Vornado, you silly boy. This is true. I, I can't believe you're a uh, you're a contessor, a fan contessor. Vornado, Dyson. Dyson makes my vacuum. Sylvanas. All right, so let's get into the date of authorship. It's Connoisseur. It seems like Peter was... Dinosaur? Dinosaur? You said dinosaur. You said dinosaur. Connoisseur. It seems like Peter was hovering around the beginning of heavy persecution by Nero. He speaks of the government as an institution established by God, which commends those doing right and punishes those doing wrong. So it was still possible for Christians at this time to faithfully, quote, honor the king, as described in 1 Peter 2.17. However, Peter was warning that greater suffering is imminent. He says this in chapter 1, verse 6, 4.19, and 1.13. He also cryptically refers to his location as Babylon. 
even though it is widely agreed upon that Peter spent the last 10 years of his life in Rome, not Babylon, which had all but ceased to exist by this point, uh, basically wasn't even a thing when he was writing. Many believe that Christian persecution had begun in Rome and was trickling its way out to the further Roman provinces, and that's why he was cryptic with uh, his wording here. The intent- Can you explain that for a second? What do, what do you mean by that? So, what do you mean crypt- cryptically? He didn't say it literally. He used code word Babylon for Rome. Oh. He, yeah, he, didn't, he said that he was writing from Babylon, but he wasn't actually in Babylon. He was actually in Rome. So, it was sort of code word. Very it. interesting. There's usually. a lot of uh, talk about persecution here. And Babylon's usually like an insult. Yeah, it's yeah. the evil empire, you know, in the Bible. Yeah. The intense persecution of Christians began in 64 AD. So, this is likely the year that it was written. Seems like it was written right at the beginning of the persecution. Action is coming. Now, the historical context gets started with this. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Are you ready for the historical context section of this episode? Yep. So let's dive into Peter. Yep. Peter was the leader of the apostles. His name was always at the head of the list in the Gospels and Acts. We also been given more information on him than anyone else in the New Testament besides our Lord Jesus Christ. He came from a family of fishermen in Bethsaida. Did I say that right? Bethsaida. That's what I meant. He came from a family of fishermen in Bethsaida, later moving to Capernaum. Peter was married and his wife accompanied him in ministry. We see that in the book of Mark. Chapter 1, verses 21, 29 through 31, and 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5. Christ renamed Peter, or in the Greek, or Cephas in Aramaic, after originally being Simon, or Simeon in Hebrew. Peter literally means stone or rock. And he was clearly close to Jesus and a spokesperson for the other disciples. He would frequently ask Jesus questions on behalf of of the other disciples. Peter also took the lead and preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost. He performed miracles. He began the preaching of the gospel to the Samaritans. We see that in Acts 8 and the Gentiles in Acts 10. You know how Jesus renamed Peter? Tell me. He pointed to him. He said, you rock. (laughs) Peter was confused. And so he just started calling himself rock. You stone. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, Jesus says I'm I rock. So he started so calling himself rock. On this rock I build my church. Yeah. I knew something was coming and it wasn't this. Action is coming. <laughs> anyway, early church tradition has it that he was made to watch his wife's crucifixion. That's crazy. Wow. After that, he was to be crucified as well. However, he didn't think he was worthy of dying in the same way as our Lord. So he requested to be crucified upside down, which was granted to him. Early church tradition says this took place around 67 A.D. (coughs) Next up is the general purpose of the book. And Peter gives us this pretty clearly. He gave us 
his exact reasoning for writing this letter within the text. First Peter 5.12 says, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is a true grace of God. Stand firm in it. He wanted the believers who were about to face intense persecution to stand firm in the faith. Now it is time for everybody's favorite part of the show. Fun facts. There's two. There's two. (laughs) But the first one is long, so hang in there. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? The first one is that there are several beautiful portions of this book that show Jesus' impact on Peter. 1 Peter 5.2 commands elders to be shepherds. The only other place in the New Testament where these words are used are as commands in John 21.16 when Jesus commanded Peter to tend his sheep. In Matthew 21.42, Jesus quotes Psalm 118.22 and says that it refers to himself as being the stone that builders rejected. Peter was present when Jesus said this, and this particular lesson must have impacted Peter greatly. As mentioned earlier, Peter notes this lesson in his sermon in Acts 4, as well in his book, in this book, in chapter 2. So these two things just show that Peter took many of Jesus' sayings to heart, and he reiterated them to his recipients and listeners. How you doing? Which I thought was pretty cool. You know, you see the impact of Jesus' teaching on his life, and then he's like just repeating what Jesus said pretty much to him. All right, and then the second fun fact is that this book is considered one of the smoothest and best uses of Greek in the New Testament, along with books written by Luke. Art thou feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? It's outline time. All right, this book has one, two, three, four, five sections. One, two, three, four, five. Once I caught a fish, oh my. Yep. I love that song. <laughs> Me too. Once I caught a fish, yep. oh my, by uh, August Burns Red. The August Burn Red uh, sing that? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't know. I don't listen to them. I only listen to that one album that you uh, sent me, the Christmas one. Christmas is coming. <laughs> anyway, introduction is self-explanatory. That's verses one and two. The uh, the identity of Christians um, is chapter one, verse three, all the way into chapter two, verse ten. But it opens up with our great salvation that we know all about. So all about it. We don't need to say much about that. If you're listening, you know about our great salvation given to us by grace through Christ Jesus. That's verses 3 through 12. And then the hope of our salvation, verses 3 through 5 of chapter 1, it is by great mercy that we are born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and we now have hope that we have a priceless inheritance of eternal life with God. Then the joy of our salvation, verses 6 through 9 of chapter 1, even though we must endure many trials in this life, which seems like a common theme of, of this book, the reward of trusting Him will be the salvation for all souls. And the, the trials in this life is a common theme for First Peter and uh, the last book that we discussed too. James. Um, and it seems like Paul talks about that often all throughout his epistles as well. Um, there's a lot of trials and tribulations. The Bible wants you to know that it's completely normal for you to go through stuff in life. But the 
the expected response for a Christian is to continue to trust in God and uh, trust in the joy of your salvation. And that's what 6 through 9 is about. Then the witness of our salvation, uh, verses 10 through 12, the prophets of old prophesied about this gracious salvation that we receive through Christ Jesus. Then we have our new way of life, a life of holiness, a life of reverence, and a life of love in chapter 1, verses 13 to 25. And verses 13 through 16, now that we know of this great salvation, striving for holiness is expected. And then 17 through 21, we must live in reverent fear of him, since he judges us not on who his favorite person is, but on what we actually do. We should recognize that our actions matter before a holy God, and he is judging us according to what we do. And it's not that he has favorites. And the life, a life of love, verses 22 through 25, we were cleansed of our sins through grace and love. So now we must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Then we have our priestly calling. We must listen to God. We must grow in God. We must build on Christ. And then we know who we are in Christ. So when we listen to God, we... We get rid of all evil behavior, as we see in verses 1 through 3. Be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. Verses 4 and 5, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. So we must grow um, as Christians. We must grow in that. Then we must build on Christ. Uh, verses 6 through 8, the, same, the, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone for us to build our lives upon. And then we have the summary of affirm, uh, affirmation of our identity, verses 9 through 10. Once we had no identity as a people, but now we are God's people. Once we received no mercy, but now we receive mercy. That's a callback to Hosea. Yep. And I know that's your favorite book, right? Yeah. There, he had Hosea name his children, not my people, and no mercy. So That's awesome. Yeah. Isn't that what you wrote one of your papers on? Yeah. Too? Yeah. What was that name? It was a word study on Lo Ruhama, Lo Ruhama No yeah. Mercy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we dive into section three, the responsibilities of Christians individually. Uh, chapters two, verse 11 through chapter four, verse 11. Um, our mission in the world, verses 11 and 12 of chapter two. So be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So let's just be aware of how we're living to those watching us, especially those that don't believe in Christ. We don't want to be a stumbling block to them. And then we have respect for others. Chapter 12, uh, chapter 2, verse 13 to chapter 3, verse 12. Basically have respect for everyone. Um, slaves respect for their masters in context this is appropriate wives respect for their husbands husband respect for their wives uh, a lot of times we see these passages thrown um, just taken out of context and say wives submit to your husbands but we don't see that right after that in chapter 3 verse 7 it says husbands have respect for your wives so when when a wife submits to you it's because you're leading her spiritually and she wants to because you respect and love her. So it's this perfect circle that makes sense. I and it's not lover. that your wife is completely submitting to you and you're causing her to sin. You're telling her to not go to church. You're telling her not to read her Bible. You're telling her not to pray. She does not need to res- uh, submit to that. 
What she needs to submit to is a husband that respects her, and that respect comes from being a, a good spiritual leader of the home. What are those seagulls? And then, of course, if we're going to lead our home appropriately, we also need to love our enemies. And we see that in verse 8 through 12 of chapter 3. And that's pretty much how this section closes off. Yes, and then we get into the <coughs> eventual vindication of those who are going through these trials. And that is the end of chapter 3 into the beginning of chapter 4. And it starts by talking about suffering for doing good in verses 13 through 17 of chapter 3. And it says here that if you are slandered for doing good, do not fear those who are slandering you. However, always be prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks for the reason that you have hope inside of you. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Always be prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks for the reason of the hope that you have inside of you. And do so with gentleness and respect. Yes. Occur. That's right. Um, so, yes, learn your apologetics gently and respectfully. And then we get into the vindication of Christ in verses 18 through 22, which basically talks about how Christ also suffered on behalf of the unrighteous, which is, drumroll please, you and I. We are. We were the unrighteous. Then we have living with the promise in view in chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, which basically talks about how when you don't participate in drunken parties, orgies, and sinning, people will revile you, but they will give an account for this. So don't worry about it too much. Then we get into the importance of mutual love in end times living. So be loving towards one another because love covers a multitude of sins and by doing this you will glorify God. And that is chapter, not chapter, that is section three. Now going into section four, this is basically a summary of the responsibilities that Christians have collectively. And it starts by talking about the fiery trial uh, in the middle of chapter four. And basically, it talks about not being surprised when you face fiery trials, but rejoice because you're sharing in Christ's suffering. So if you're insulted for Christ's name, you are blessed. Um, and then it goes into suffering as a Christian. Uh, basically, it's he's saying here, it's not a good thing to suffer because you're a bad person. You, you don't want to suffer because you're a murderer or a thief is the actual words he uses. Suffer because of Jesus. Uh, suffer because you are a Christian and entrust your soul to your creator. And then it goes on to talk about the church under trial in chapter 5. This is pretty much the entirety of chapter 5. And it talks about the responsibilities of the elders in the beginning. And it talks about serving your flock willingly, eagerly, and without domineering. And this is what I was talking about in the fun facts section. This is Peter's callback to when Jesus rebuked him to his face and said, feed my sheep. And so Peter here is telling the other elders to serve your flock. Get that corn out of my face! And then we see the responsibilities of others, basically people who are not elders. He says, clothe yourselves with humility. And also, younger people, be subject to the elders of the church. Listen to them, for they know what the heck they're talking about. 
All right, and then importance of humility and trust in God in verses 6 through 7. It talks about being humble before the Lord because at the right time he will exalt you. And then a very famous verse to go on coffee mugs, cast your anxieties on him because he he cares cares for you. you. Cast my cares on him. I cast my cares on him. I cast my cares on you. All right, and then finally... Before the conclusion, we have the importance of resisting the devil in chapter 5, verses 8 through 11, and he talks about how the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion. Roaring. Looking. Looking. like a lion. (laughs) For someone to devour. Help me out here, Mark. I forgot the rest. Roaring. You had to start, you had to continue an octave higher. I was doing the harmony. So control your range. I was doing the harmony. Control your range, bro. My <laughs> range is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. <laughs> All right. And then finally, the fifth section is the conclusion. It's the last few verses. And it's basically Pete's saying byes. And that is it. That is first Pete's. One Pete's. One yes, Pete. yes, sir. And that is our episode on First Peter. I must say that it is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I love reading through First and Second Peter. Solid. Um, all I, the general, all the general epistles are really good books. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like I say that for every New Testament book that I read. Yeah. Um, you can kind of go down the list. Every time you finish a New Testament book, it becomes your new favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do love reading First Peter, so make sure you open your Bibles and get busy reading because it's it's not an easy read. I'm not going to say you'll understand everything all at once without studying it, but it's definitely an enjoyable read, and I will encourage you to definitely open your Bibles and do that. But that is our episode on First Peter, and... If you enjoyed it and you also love our ministry and you are not a part of Dinger Nation, then how do we, how do they become a part of Dinger Nation? Right? How does we, they become part of Dinger Nation? Well, we, they, you can go on patreon.com backslash forward slash backslash Bible Dingers. <laughs> and on our Patreon account, you get early access to every episode that we drop. You get it a week early. You also get behind the scenes type of stuff, unedited stuff, all that fun stuff. Uh, you will also be included in our group chats. We have an Instagram group chat and a Discord in which we like to make fun of each other and take pictures of our food and things of that nature. Um, also, you, what else do you get? Oh, we ripped the audio off our YouTube videos. Yeah. And you get our YouTube videos early. Which is not yet. Yeah. It's happening. It's in the it's in the already but not yet phase. Yeah. You know what I mean? YouTube is coming. And you can uh, go ahead, go ahead and hit that thing. No, I'm scared. It's fine. Go ahead. I'm I'll scared. Do it for you. Here. Action is coming. You are listening to Bible Singers Podcast. <laughs> you hit that wrong. Right? Anyways, you can find links to our Patreon and our blog posts and everything on BibleDingers.com. Yes, and if you love what we do, and you would like to follow us, go ahead and go over to Facebook. Instagram and Twitter and follow us at Bible Dingers across the board. And while you're there, just give me the likes, don't pass and don't scroll. Don't pass and scroll. Hit subscribe. Hit follow. 
hit that like button. And most importantly, ding on. Bible dingers. Bible dingers. Embrace the ding. 